welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand, and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you have got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day 30, 30 free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. This podcast is brought to you by the best CBD I have ever tried and the one that I feel is truly the best out there. It's called Ojai Energetics, spelt O-J-A-I, Energetics, and here's why it's awesome. First of all, it is over 20 times more absorbable than most CBD, which makes it an incredible value. Over 99% of Ojai CBD gets where it needs to go in your body because of their patented colloidal technology, which is not liposomal like 90% of the CBD on the market. And in fact, 90% of the CBD in these liposomal oils don't even make it past the gut and liver and into the blood. This is called the first pass effect. Then 90% of the CBD that does make it through isn't in the right form to be available to the cells that need it. Ojai solves this problem with their colloidal system. I was skeptical and I have to tell you the first time I tried it, I felt a noticeable, like very noticeable effect in about 15 seconds, which is so much faster than the 20 to 30 minutes with other brands I've used. So now whenever I feel any stress or anxiety or have trouble sleeping, I use it and solve that problem in under 20 seconds. Their CBD is derived from completely organic ingredients and it's batch tested by third-party vendors, which is important for heavy metals, VOCs, pesticides, herbicides, microbes, and to verify the content of terpenes and cannabinoids. Because this version absorbs faster, you can also know if you're getting the right dose because taking too much CBD is not a good thing either. Here's how. Because Ojai works so rapidly, it causes your body's cannabinoid receptors in the tongue to modulate. Big words, but what this means is that the CBD will taste bitter when your body needs more CBD, but will change to sweet when you've had enough. So to test it, all you have to do is take only a quarter of a dropper, wait 30 seconds, and then feel on your tongue if you taste bitter or sweet. If it tastes bitter, you just repeat until you get a sweet, almost honey-like taste. Ojai is also a certified B Corp, which means they operate their servers off of wind power. They use completely recyclable packaging. They work to build direct relationships with the farmers who grow the ingredients they use, which ensures fair trade wages, and they support regenerative farming practices. 
find out more about them and their mission and get a special gift with your order by going to ohienergetics.com forward slash wellness mama. So again, O-J-A-I energetics.com forward slash wellness mama. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and today we are covering a much-requested topic because I am here with Diane Kayser, who I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She is a pro soccer player turned functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and hormone warrior, and has been called a visionary and a game changer in the world of women's hormones and detox empowerment, and leadership. She has something called the Chi Hormone Warrior Transformation Tribe, which offers a trilogy for women's transformation of cleansing, healing, and igniting, and which also includes the TITS or TITS method, a holistic approach to healing from breast implant illness, which is the topic we are going to tackle in depth today because I have gotten so many questions about it. Diane, welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Katie. I appreciate it. And I, I hope this lands in all the hearts that it's intended to without judgment. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point to state at the beginning. Um, I say that whenever I talk about motherhood topics or anything related to body images, certainly never mean anything in judgment and respect anyone's choices. I just also think it's really important to educate and to make sure we can make informed choices. And to that end, I actually didn't know until I started researching for this podcast that 10% of women have breast implants or have had them at some point during their life, which I was surprised actually how high that number is. Um, I'm curious from your own personal story, um, why? what made the decision to get yours? Appreciate the the vulnerable beginning. So I'm 40 now. And when I was 30, I I moved from Sacramento as a financial planner, which I'd love to get into some of the statistics of how breast implants cost us a ton of money too. And when I moved to Southern California, I sold my financial planning practice and I I was still active. Playing soccer my whole life is just a part of who I am. And I continued on down here thinking, well, I've got to got a little bit of a retirement going on. I got five years to redevelop my life and figure out what I want to do next for this next chapter. And I became a personal trainer again, and I got into fitness nutrition. And, and I started gathering several certifications. And then I started looking and going, wow, I've, I really shaped this body. I, I should probably do something with this. It, it, it's, it's beautiful the way that it is. And so I got into bodybuilding and there's a lot of women. I mean, if you look at Instagram, bodybuilding is, is incredibly popular now. And there's this huge focus on the physical body as opposed to considering the spirit of the body. And that's where I was at that time. So I began, I began to compete and I went to a lot of the bodybuilding competitions and shows and became a sponsored athlete by metrics. And the formula at that time was that when you get down to about 10% body fat, and many women listening to this realize that that sounds pretty low, you know, lower than 15%, a woman starts to develop amenorrhea and is difficult getting pregnant. And in my case, and most of our cases, of course, because breasts are fat, I lost my breasts. And it was, it was humbling one day before a show I went to looking down and, and feeling like a boy. And I know a lot of women, this is the reason why they get there. So for me, I went to a photo shoot um, very quickly thereafter. And the guy doing the photo shoot said, in order to make it in this industry, you need double Ds. You need, uh, if you want to get your pro card, if you want to be anything in this industry, if you want to make it in the cover magazine, you need double Ds. And it really frustrated me at first, but then it planted the seed that really I call the weed. 
And it grew into this, okay, I guess I need to do this because the next show I won, it was the second show I got top overall and qualified for nationals. And I got my boobs, got double Ds, and I went to state and got almost dead last. And I still am curious if that was attributed to having synthetic breasts and my spirit knowing the difference and not glowing from the inside like the natural soul that I was. So it was a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure in that industry. And as we all know, culturally, there's a lot of pressure for women to have this perfect 36, 24, 36 figure. So that's where the journey for me began. Well, I mean, yeah, I certainly have felt that pressure as well. Um, Not in the bodybuilding world, although I have so much respect for you could just be able to train at that level. That's really impressive. And I have never had breast implants myself, but I definitely have felt that pressure. I think you're right. It's very pervasive in society. And we probably are even more harsh on ourselves than society is sometimes, or at least I can say that from my experience. And I wasn't even aware until a couple of years ago that there was a thing called breast implant illnesses. Something that like I it just had never thought to research or had never crossed my mind until I started hearing stories from so many of my readers of everything that goes along with that. So before we go any further in the podcast, can you define what breast implant illness is um, and kind of what might go along with it? Yeah. Yeah. And breast implant illness for anybody who's listening also, this is not a group of women who are standing up and just winding and coming together in victimhood that I've heard this more than before when I I heard of breast implant illness. And so it's important to really make that distinction, Katie, because there are quite a few symptoms and conditions and diagnoses that we've discovered have become a template. It's for not, not every woman's the same, but there seems to be a pretty universal conglomerate of symptoms that most women experience. And uh, it's an illness that is not it's not classified or, or yet acknowledged by the FDA, although there's a lot of my friends who are amazing warriors and army ladies going to the FDA and showing them the reports, revealing to them that this is a real thing and they're listening to us. It's awesome. This last March, which is Breast Implant Awareness, Blessed Breast Implant Illness Awareness Month, say that 10 times fast. Uh, we actually have a, a whole designated month to this. And next year is when we'll be releasing a, um, a big event on breast health next March in honor of that. So what I want you ladies listening to consider is that breast implant illness is not just something that is, okay, my, my breasts are fine. They feel fine. They're not causing me problems. I must not have breast implant illness. And, and that's a convenient truth to adopt and accept for women like me three years ago, who don't want to own the illusion that these things are perfectly fine, normal and safe. So I wanted to keep them. So to me, there was nothing wrong. I We think that the problem lies in the exact spot of wherever they're wherever that anatomical implant was, for an example, but we have multiple systems of the body and we're made up of trillion cells. So it's just not possible that one area of the body would be affected. So here are, I mean, there's several, but I'm going to narrow it down to 21 signs to look out for, uh, for women who have issues with breast implants and they all leak, they all eventually bleed and they all eventually rupture. So just know that the moment they're put in is the moment your body starts these symptoms. We just don't attribute them to breast implants. So for me, a big one was tenderness, lumpiness or discomfort around the implants. And that actually could be a sign of one of the rare 
air quotes rare, <laughs> still yet to be determined because of the FDA is not reporting properly on this, but we as a, an army are, these are symptoms of potentially what's called BIA ALCL. And that's a type of cancer, uh, a lymphoma cancer that is specific to women with breast implants. And I just had my breast implants removed just over a week ago. And I, I'm waiting to hear back what the results of my pathology were because I had these symptoms. So it's very unnerving to feel these lumps and feel the tenderness and very difficult to do any kind of chest, chest exercises. Uh, mine got so big that I had been like a D double D and it felt more like an E because they were so inflamed and so painful. And of course, because of that, it will start to alter the shape of your spine. So then you'll start having the spinal development issues and back problems, low back problems, neck issues. And these are things that are very difficult for a chiropractor to adjust. You know, it might move the bones, but then the muscles have been compromised. Also the organs being affected, uh, move peripherally to upper parts of the traps and the shoulders. Uh, that's a lot of gallbladder issues because there's a lot of these toxins that are moving around the body and they're placing themselves into these organs, silicone, heavy metals, the plastic. Uh, there's, there's, over 30 plus synthetic chemicals in breast implants, saline or silicone. Um, so the second one is change in the shape of your breast. And a lot of times what that is, is what's called capsular contracture. And I had that too, where a lot of women's breasts will move up or down or sideways, or even into their armpits because they're actually still using their pecs. It really depends on if you're getting over the muscle or under the muscle. So that's a big one too, to pay attention to. Third one is change in the consistency of your breast, like increased softness. And then the fourth one is change the way that your breast moves. So if you're, especially if you're a fitness person, you may notice that it's moving differently. Um, or if you're breastfeeding, which I'll speak about a little bit later, because there's major issues that we have not been able to track with women who breastfeed too, because I know that's huge for your following too, Katie. And then uh, the fifth would be hardening of breast tissue. Then we have muscle pain, pain and swelling of the joints. We've got lots and lots of women who have fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, there's an 800% increased risk of multiple different kinds of autoimmune diseases. And uh, I've got lots of clients we work with that have lupus that have been discovered within a year after a breast implant rupturing, which is not as rare as we're told. Burning sensations of the skin, um, burning sensations around the body, feeling like electroshocks across your chest. And I I was just thinking, maybe it's because I'm touching my computer or my phone often, because that does also send potentially electrostatic shocks across our bodies. But women are four to five times more likely to have that kind of electrostatic shock in their body with these implants in because these implants have metals in them, heavy metals, and that attracts uh, EMF, EMR from touching our, our computer, our phone, iPads, et cetera. Uh, so that's, that's very common. 20% of people are electrosensitive. And that, that could be the, the association between these two is that the metals act like a radar drawing in uh, radiation and EMF. And then big ones too, the way this whole thing started for me, Katie, is that I had such bad rashes around my eyes or on my neck that they were red, they were puffy. I was 
scratching so bad. I was bleeding and I could not stop. No amount of Sudafed, over-the-counter, antihistamines, nothing worked. I tried essential oil. I tried all the natural things. And then it ended up that I went to the urgent care and had to get two rounds of prednisone because it was the only thing that worked for me. It relieved my symptoms, but then thereafter, my hair didn't grow back. And then my my skin started aging very quickly and, and sagging. Then tightness and swelling of the skin also big ones is a lot of lymph swelling. So swollen glands, swollen hands, lymph nodes, we got lymph all over, over our body. 75% of our body is lymph. So when we think about that, that's where a lot of this, this toxic residue that's bleeding from the implants or maybe leaking from the implants moves into these lymph nodes. So our body becomes really tight and then very much in pain. And there's nothing that can, that can touch it because the root cause is still in the body. And then swelling of the hands and feet, unusual hair loss, skin, um, dry eyes, mouth or vagina. So you've got a lot of issues now in the bedroom or trying to procreate loss of memory, lots and lots of brain fog with lots of women that we work with have lots of brain fog and um, not, not enough coffee. <laughs> doesn't Coffee doesn't seem to break the fatigue. So it's another big one. And then like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of doctors are not trained this, that the autoimmune connection is possibly because of the breast implant. So a lot of women are developing all of these different autoimmune conditions and medications are not helping them except for the symptoms of it. And the last couple here, uh, which would be multiple chemical sensitivity disorders. So walking into uh, a mall or to Macy's or Nordstrom, it would just feel like this big, huge flood of, of chemicals just coming into my face and, and migraines would hit instantly, headaches. Um, some people develop an allergy to their their husband or their significant other, because we just don't have much adrenal reserve at this point to handle new information. So food sensitivities are another one, um, possibly rooted in leaky gut, but there's so many things that we otherwise were not sensitive to or allergic to that now all of a sudden we're like, why one day I was fine with this food. And then the next day I'm not fine with that food. And then now we're looking at eating five foods, four foods. And now we're wondering what's going on because we can't even eat uh, let alone get out of bed. So this keeps going on and on, but these are some of the, the, the most common ones that we see. Wow, that's amazing. And it makes sense, I guess, when you think about it objectively, you're putting something synthetic inside the body and then the body has to continually deal with that. I'm sure you can probably speak from personal experience, but I'm guessing even removing them is probably quite a, a process in and of itself. And maybe something that a lot of women like you don't really want to have to necessarily do. Is there any way that the body I guess I'm asking, is there a way that they can exist safely within the body or is this pretty much always a potential for problem? <sighs> well, one part of me wants to be everybody's friend and say, sure, th there might be people who are, are not seeing problems. Um, I would challenge that though. I would challenge that though and say that there's significant amount of delusion that we, we safeguard around this illusion of, of thinking that we need these breast implants to be significant or seen or loved or beautiful. And sure, if you want to get them for confidence or whatever, it's all up to you. But I want to talk about alternatives to that as well today, because it's not the only option anymore. We've got science and technology is far greater than it was before. So most of the women that I see with breast implants, uh, even if they come to me, uh, one client just came to us, she came to me, she's like, yeah, I don't have any symptoms. I have no problems. I just want to get pregnant at some point And I want to see what's going on under the hood. And literally no, no issues, no symptoms at all. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this is not common. And I usually see some women having some degree of issues. And um, when we looked under the hood at her labs, 
every kind of pathogen you could have imagined was on came up on her test. Um, in fact, a worm, which is not super common, and a lot of hormonal chaos. What I see commonly is estrogen dominance because we've got plastic inside of us, and plastic is a xenoestrogen. So I see women doing all kinds of HRT, including this woman that came to us, uh, hormone replacement therapy. And of all different kinds, it could be bioidentical, it could be prescription medication, and it's just not working uh, because the liver is also congested. So I have seen women, I've heard women, whether or not it's a true story, or if they're living in a delusion, I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of women who say, oh yeah, I, I don't have any problems. But then I hear them talking about sinusitis issues that they have, bloating that they can't get rid of, depression, uh, fatigue, or bones breaking quite often, uh, surgeries there. So there's, this is again, where I, it's, it's all about the person and the connection that they're making to, to the breast implants, to the rest of the body. So some people pass this off as just saying, oh yeah, well, everybody gets sick around this time of the year, or everybody gets allergies this time of the year. Or, you know, of course my, my leg broke because I do a lot of activities. So there's there's a lot of stories that we will make up in our mind to defend it not being the implants. But so far from what I've seen, Katie, I have seen universally the women that come to us with breast implants are the sickest women that I've seen. And their labs are the most compromised. Their immune system is almost nil. They're not able to produce a lot of hormones because their body has been trying to fend these things off for so, so long. And autoimmune disease is the most prevalent that I've seen because of what the body's trying to do 24-7. It's trying to push these implants out of the body because it's not it's non-DNA, even though the FDA would say that these breast implants are, they act like other things in the body, but the body knows better. And these things are right over our heart chakra. So our body, and to the beautiful ladies listening to this and, or the men listening as well, to supporting ladies, these implants are, our body is trying to fight for us 24 seven, trying to save our life. So when you see symptoms, take a moment to thank your body because it's really trying its best, just like a little child would raise its hand and say to mom, I'm suffering down here. I have a, I have a stomach ache. And it's just trying to communicate to you in the language of symptoms that something is going on down here. So I would urge you to compassionately listen to your body and, and open your, open your mind, open your eyes, open your heart to the possibility of something that I'll talk about later, which is other options instead of these silicone implants or saline implants. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned autoimmunity and a huge range of symptoms. And when I started researching this, the mainstream perception or uh, kind of opinion is that breast implant illness is very rare and that if it exists, it's because something was already wrong in the woman's body and it's not the fault of the breast implants. So, I mean, can you speak to that at all just from the statistics of the women that you are seeing? How many, what percentage of women do you think are seeing actual symptoms that they're noticing from this? It's a good question. It's really hard to say. From from what I see, a hundred percent of the women that have breast implants that we've tested have major issues in their labs. I'm talking lupus, wheelchair, didn't know is an issue, constant chronic antibiotics, the thought they were going to die, um, parts removed from their stomach. Uh, another one that was this is this one's hard for me, Katie. I I am, and sometimes I live with a, a little bit of guilt, maybe repressed back here, that I got breast implants. So one of my best friends got breast implants, and then her mom had breast implants, and then my best friend's sister wanted breast implants too. So this whole family of women, they all have breast implants, and just found out that my best friend's sister tried to commit suicide this last year. 
And the odds of suicide rates are much higher in women. In fact, when we look at depression and suicide, it's a lot greater than many of us realize. So the the rates of suicide are three to four times, and women are five to six times more likely to be on antidepressants than women without breast implants. And when the mom saw this, now she's um, been diagnosed with schizophrenia in the hospital because she, I don't know what she's dealing with, but this is what we're seeing in women is a lot of neurosis in the brain. Now the question really is, and I, I, I'm, we can't say this. It's there's too many chemicals today. There's so much stress today. And the diets, of course, what are you eating plays a huge role in this. But when we consider women who are getting breast implants, there is an element to this of women who get them. If it, if it's not because of having a mastectomy, we tend to be more insecure. We tend to be driven by something different than women who don't get them. Although we're all the same when it's, when it comes down to being a woman today, the pressure that's put on us to look and conform to, to be and act and think and, 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 and look in a certain way. So the question would be is what, what kind of issues and symptoms and conditions did you have prior to the, the implants? There are women genetically that are more prone to autoimmune disease, more prone to depression, more prone to any kind of um, brain issue or condition, dementia, skin issues. However, we know that genetics are not the final destiny. What, what can actually trigger these genetics, and you probably had a lot of people talk about this in the show already, Katie, is that it's called epigenetics. So what we're our lifestyle and the the thoughts that we're thinking all day long. You know, today we're living in seventy percent of our lives, um, according to the work of Joe Dispenza, are lived in fight or flight. So if we're in, if we're in this mindset of needing to be super busy and crazy busy and and being super mom and spread super thin, then we are taxing our adrenals and our thyroid and our ovaries already as it stands. So then you you have this lifestyle where you've got a lot of stress, emotional stress, sociological stress, spiritually stress, mental stress, all of that. Then you've got the the toxins that we're breathing in and drinking and eating. Then you've got your genetics. So there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, I heard you had JP Sears in the show too. I I'm studying under the same guy that he started starting through about 10 years ago, John McMullen. And we study shame. You know, we study the shadow, we study the ego. And there's a huge component to our illness that we don't consider enough. And that is the thoughts that we think about ourselves and the beliefs that we carry around our life. And this is how we all got here to begin with, right? Is the belief that society knows better than I do about what I should do and how I should look. So it's, it's, it's really hard to say, but I do notice, and especially from my own experience, when women put these things in, it's just a matter of time before it's a ticking time bomb and it illuminates a lot of the other potentially pre-existing issues or genetics that never were turned on before, but now they are because you've got this ticking time bomb inside of you full of 30 plus synthetic chemicals. Wow. And on that note, I think you're right. Shame is a tremendous component of a lot of aspects of health um, and, and the internal emotional side. Um, and I love what JP's doing and that you're educating about this. And even people like Brene Brown, who are just bringing this conversation to the forefront. I think that's so necessary. Um, and I mean, you've talked about the chemicals that are in breast implants and everything that goes along with that. Are there any actual studies or data about their safety? Because if the FDA is not acknowledging that they can be dangerous, are they? do they have any studies to back that up? Not one, 
not one real long-term study. And this is, this is what, this is why it is now on the forefront of um, headline news and it's being paid attention to because I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was about uh, 2005, 2005 sometime. The FDA requested a study of 40,000 women with breast implants for 10 years to track how women's health would change or how safe the implants were. So they, they demanded 10 years. And this is, they demanded this for two different companies from Allergan and Johnson and Johnson. Uh, that's the implants that I had, um, was, were called mentor implants. And several women had testified that they were thrown out of these implant studies when they reported serious health problems from these breast implants, or they decided to have their implants removed during the study. So these women did not get reported. And this is very classic. Uh, for for studies in pharmaceutical industry is that they will artificially skew some of the numbers. So one example of this is the bleeding edge and another one that there's several of them now. And um, what they're talking about with birth control even is that if they, if, if a woman said in one of the questionnaires, how do you feel about the, the results of this, whatever, whatever kind of birth control that they were using and the answer would be the woman's like, well, I don't know how I should answer this because I've got a lot of symptoms. I, I've got a lot of cramps. Um, I'm depressed. I haven't been able to get out of bed. And these things have all changed since birth control. And the person doing the study would say, well, yes, but have you gotten pregnant? And the, the woman's would say no. And the person to the study person would say, well, okay, well then you, you should respond. Yes, because clearly the birth control is working. So sure. Maybe it's working to, with the intended purpose of not getting pregnant, but it's not working because in the same time, this woman is potentially losing her life from it. So this is the same kind of repeat that was happening with women across this 10 year study to have results in 2015, which after all of this, there were, there was no data. This, this study ceased. And during this time, one of the mentor employees from Johnson Johnson admitted that executives had ordered him to destroy documents that were related to a high rupture rate of these implants. And so this raised questions about the accuracy of the data, but the FDA still accepted the studies and maintained that silicone implants were safe and effective. So this is this was the biggest study that was attempted but was never truly completed. And what we're also finding is that the amount of complaints that are um, being reported are not accurate because women are going in and sharing that they have these symptoms and issues, but doctors are not properly trained to look for women who have breast implants relating these symptoms they come into the urgent care or ER complaining of. So the doctors aren't reporting this data because there's no, they're not trained to make the, the, the correlation. But it's now the tables are turning and they're now starting to warn doctors and let them know to, to be on the lookout for this. So I've known several people that have known of my story, um, firefighters, other doctors, um, other personal trainers, yoga teachers who are, who are sharing my story and many other women's stories because they didn't realize to make the connection between the two. So there, there just really aren't studies. We are the study. We are, And this is why there's 100,000 plus women in Facebook groups now regarding breast implant illness and the potential that they're suffering themselves. So we have become the study and, and our voices are finally starting to be heard, which is great. Wow. Well, and if you're comfortable sharing, I'd love to hear a little bit of like your story of your explant and why you decided to remove them and how that went. Because I'm, like I said, I'm guessing that's also like a potentially a little bit tough of a procedure as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still sitting here a little bit of pain from it, but definitely it's a pretty gnarly procedure, not the whole thing. So I don't want to turn women off, but I think it's worse to keep the implants in knowing what you hear from this uh, or in the, the articles. And I'll give you one too, Katie, that everybody can hear, can read the 33 reasons not to get breast implants your doctor didn't warn you about that I compiled uh, over the last year going through this. So for me, this began three years ago and um, a friend sent me an article, which has since been shared over 150,000 times with the data. And I just didn't want to, I wasn't ready to hear it. I was still competing uh, until I had all the symptoms I talked about. So it was about a year ago and I did a, a, a thermogram and I saw that I had a lot of inflammation around my breasts. And that was right around the time I started having more physical symptoms. And this was about nine years after I had my breast implants installed. So I was feeling that my breasts were hardened. Um, my, my hormones, my gut was still not getting any better. I'd been doing gut testing deep gut, gut testing, advanced level gut testing on myself as an FDN functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner for about uh, seven years. And none of them came up clean. So I would still turn up with parasites. I'd still turn up with bacterial overgrowth, still chronic candida overgrowth. And, and how could I be in a gut healing protocol for six years now? And I still have these bugs inside of me. There's something not making sense here. And I went to my chiropractor, he muscle tested me and it was my intuition bells went off. Your body has these parasites in you to mop up the mess from the metals or whatever it is that's leaking into your body because that's what they're there for. And we muscle tested and, and my body believed that my implants were parasites, were the parasites. They were sucking the life out of me. So that was a pretty big moment. And within a month after that, I started doing research I researched 11 different doctors before I landed on the one that I chose in Newport Beach, Dr. Strawn. And the reason it took me so long is because you really want to make sure that the doctor that you're working with believes you and understands what breast implant illness is and understands when you go under the knife that they know what they're looking for. Because these things, not to one, but to every woman will adhere to your rib cage. And that kind of a, um, an assault to your body will cave your body forward and you roll your shoulders forward, not only blocking your heart chakra, but it's very difficult to breathe. So that is one of the telltale signs for women. If you have a hard time breathing, having, taking a deep breath, if it almost feels like you're, you have a panic attack when you're doing this, then there could be something going on here. And I mean, there was many, many other things going on, but I, I, consulted with a couple of different doctors who were like, oh yeah, there's not enough research, not enough evidence that VI, uh, breast implant illness is real. And that didn't feel very good to not be heard by my doctor. Um, granted, that was one that I, I had heard of through my insurance. And if women who are listening are wondering, you know, will my insurance cover this? It is a possibility. It is a very strong possibility. The women that we work with, um, I don't like taking no for an answer because this is something that I believe that the FDA needs to handle on their own because they they didn't do the studies first. So we can get these things approved for the explant portion where the doctor goes in and removes the implant as well as what's called the, the capsule around it. So do a total capsulectomy end block. They remove the implant shell. This is what your body, this is how magical your body is. And this is where I, along this journey, I discovered the greatest and deepest self-love and self-respect, self-reverence that I have for my temple and the creator who made me than ever. It's like how beautiful and amazing 
are our bodies that they will do this to protect us. So seeing all the videos and the pictures of what these things look like when it comes out of you is powerful. It literally creates a wall around the implants that says, we are here to defend you and protect you. I still get emotional thinking about how, how magical this is, that your body is here to protect you always. So working with a doctor who knows how to completely remove that is important because if they leave that behind, this is where women get even more sick. And there's a lot of women having, if they follow the recommendations, every 10 years you get new breast implants, right? That's what the FDA recommends that these things eventually, they, they even claim that these things eventually all leak. So after eight years, it's almost a hundred percent. So they recommend that every 10 years to cover themselves, you get new ones, but a lot of doctors don't remove that capsule and they put another implant back in. And this is like leaving a dead root or dead part inside of your body. And if you've got a dead organ, of course, doctors recommend remove it, but they're not trained this way. So working with a doctor that knows, number one, has compassion and has heart and is there to protect you just like your body is, is the most important. The next one is to make sure that the doctor knows how to do a total and block capsulectomy, removing that, that shell, um, as well as the implant, as well as knows how to take the journey around your body and look for where the body could have been compromised by the implants. This could go all over the body. This could, a lot of doctors are finding that there's a lot of silicone that even gets wrapped around and strangles the heart. So this is why women have a lot of heart issues and it could go everywhere. So they, it, it, irrigation is really important. They, they also need to know if there's lymph that's compromised it, looking for certain types of potentials for infection. And of course, after the procedure, uh, you have your capsule sent to pathology for testing to see if there's any kind of cancer in there and then knowing what to do next with that. So that's really, really critical. If you can find someone that is covered through your insurance to do the removal, that's awesome, even better. So those are three great things. And then personally myself, I had what's called fat grafting and a lift. So women who get implants, we all know that things Gravity takes place, of course, and the the geographical location of the, the nipples will start to point downward. Of course, that happens with everybody with aging, but when you add a 500 cc's of implants, which I had, were almost a pound each side, it's inorganically pulling on your breast tissues downward. So I had a lift. Um, my doctor said that about half of the women that he treats have the lift. So that means they replace the nipple and it's in the center. So they they put you back together again. And I would even say better than before. Um, if you women out there loving the idea of looking more youthful, I can tell you right now, I love my new beautiful, small B, C cup breasts. Um, he reshaped them by what's called fat transfer. So I didn't have that much body fat, maybe like 18%, uh, which is where I tend to hover around. And uh, most women are more like 25%. So they can actually have a lot more fat grafted from the body. And if you're wondering what the clinical term is for that, it's liposuction. So I know so many women who are like, Oh my gosh, really? I could, I could do that. I've been saying for years, can I just have some liposuction and they could remove fat from parts of the body that I, I'm having a hard time losing fat. And can I just put it up here in the boobs? And the answer is yes. They, they can do that now. So I didn't have much fat to graft, but he grafted just enough from my inner thighs, outer thighs. I didn't have any problems with those areas. It was just that I wanted to reshape my breasts, um, pulled it from my back flanks and my belly and pulled about a hundred cc's that he put into each one of them that I look down now and I, and I love the view and I love how small that I feel. 
Uh, granted, I'm only a week out, but it, it has not been that difficult of a recovery for me because I prepared for the procedure. I did hyperbaric. I did, of course, a super healthy diet, um, cleansing. I teach detox. So just getting your body really emotionally ready too, because that's the biggest part. Women's, women really crash after. Even I had a moment, Katie, where I was like, what have I done to my body? You know, when I took my first shower, I had a breakdown after that. I was feeling for the weight of all of the women that are taught that we need to cut ourselves open over and over and over again to conform. And I got angry at myself. I didn't have any of these emotions until after the procedure. So it's really important to consider the toxicity as well as the trauma and to have a really good medical team and people that care about you and practitioners that can help you customize the diet and your hormones and your gut and detox thereafter. Wow. Yeah. And to speak to your point as well, I think that's this is common throughout all medical issues related to women of you know going to those doctors and not feeling heard or them thinking it wasn't a valid concern. We know statistically that that is very much more common for women in any kind of medical scenario than for men. And I had that experience with my thyroid for years where I knew something was wrong and doctors kept telling me I was fine or belittling my symptoms or whatever it may be. Um, so I love that there's now, you guys have this literal army that's helping raise awareness and also being a voice for women in medicine. That's so important. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO, and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand, and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you've got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. This podcast is brought to you by the best CBD I have ever tried, and the one that I feel is truly the best out there. It's called Ojai Energetics, spelt O-J-A-I, Energetics, and here's why it's awesome. First of all, it is over 20 times more absorbable than most CBD, which makes it an incredible value. Over 99% of Ojai CBD gets where it needs to go in your body because of their patented colloidal technology, which is not liposomal like 90% of the CBD on the market. And in fact, 90% of the CBD in these liposomal oils don't even make it past the gut and liver and into the blood. This is called the first pass effect. Then 90% of the CBD that does make it through isn't in the right form to be available to the cells that need it. 
Ojai solves this problem with their colloidal system. I was skeptical, and I have to tell you, the first time I tried it, I felt a noticeable, like very noticeable effect in about 15 seconds, which is so much faster than the 20 to 30 minutes with other brands I've used. So now whenever I feel any stress or anxiety or have trouble sleeping, I use it and solve that problem in under 20 seconds. Their CBD is derived from completely organic ingredients and it's batch tested by third-party vendors, which is important for heavy metals, VOCs, pesticides, herbicides, microbes, and to verify the content of terpenes and cannabinoids. Because this version absorbs faster, you can also know if you're getting the right dose because taking too much CBD is not a good thing either. Here's how. Because Ojai works so rapidly, it causes your body's cannabinoid receptors in the tongue to modulate. Big words, but what this means is that the CBD will taste bitter when your body needs more CBD, but will change to sweet when you've had enough. So to test it, all you have to do is take only a quarter of a dropper, wait 30 seconds, and then feel on your tongue if you taste bitter or sweet. If it tastes bitter, you just repeat until you get a sweet, almost honey-like taste. Ojai is also a certified B Corp, which means they operate their servers off of wind power. They use completely recyclable packaging. They work to build direct relationships with the farmers who grow the ingredients they use, which ensures fair trade wages, and they support regenerative farming practices. Find out more about them and their mission and get a special gift with your order by going to ojaienergetics.com forward slash wellness mama. So again, O-J-A-I energetics.com forward slash wellness mama. Thank you also for sharing so vulnerably about your own story and for sharing that there are alternatives. Cause I actually um, only found that out recently as well. And I wondered that like, if you're used to being a certain size and your skin and everything has adjusted to that, then what happens when they take that out? So it's interesting and good to know that there is an alternative for that. And I'm curious if that is an alternative for, for instance, people who have to have a mastectomy for medical reasons or who um, did not have implants, but just want potentially like a more natural way to augment it. Are those, is that something that can be done for those type, those cases as well? Great question. And it was right where I was going next. I'm like, oh, we got to talk about mastectomies as well. It is. Um, there are many women who are opting to, this is a smaller percentage, but to say, you know what, I, I don't even care if I have no breasts. Um, that's a, that's a smaller, that's more of the exception. There's, there's other women who, um, don't even do that lift or anything too, by the way. So your, your skin may adapt. This is always a conversation that you have with your doctor that you trust the women who have, it's so sad for me, but my, my, aunt died of cancer three years ago. She was in the room with me when I did a lot of the Reiki, the healing sessions. Uh, I felt her, she died of breast cancer and she had had two rounds of it. So the question would be is what all the, what are the alternatives for women who are considering this process? Know that it is possible. There are just several different procedures that you would do. It's, it, it wouldn't be Uh, likely one procedure where the doctor can take fat and move it up into the area where there once was um, either not much tissue or there were implants instead. Typically it takes, you know, if you're you're working with a good surgeon uh, currently now uh, with the technology, it could take three to four procedures of fat crafting. You can do one and be completely satisfied. This is something that of course depends on your body, depends on how much fat that you have, depends on how long you've had the implants, uh, depends on the status of your health. But yeah, you absolutely can do that. I have seen it done. Uh, it, it's not it's not a cheap process. You know the the fat transfer that I did, um, and this is about this is pretty common. It's about fifteen thousand dollars. 
So the explant portion was covered, which is normally about five to $9,000, depending on which doctor that you're working with. But my insurance is covering that. So I only have to pay the five, 15% copay of whatever that ends up being. So just know that that is something if it's, it's considered cosmetic at that point. So it's up to you to uh, fund that unless they start to make some changes here because they realize that that's the only option that women with breast cancer and had mastectomies were given. There is alternatives. They're just not super convenient or right now it's pretty cost prohibitive. So it's out there. And my doctor I know does a lot of these. There's a lot, I'm in Orange County, the Mecca of plastic surgery. So I I can um, provide some links for the readers to see what some of these women look like before and after and what that, what that looks like for them. Wow. And I'll make sure the links, I know you have a lot of resources on this. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes at wellnesswoman.fm. And I would guess this is also something that women could ask for I've heard of women asking for this kind of, um, I think it's called the mommy makeover procedure that a lot of women do post-pregnancy where it's like a tummy tuck and breast augmentation. And so for people who are considering that, if anyone listening is, I would guess they could do the same thing without implants, but just do fat transfer and lift versus implants and kind of get the same result. Is that, am I on, on track with that? Yes. Yes, you are. And the pictures are beautiful that I've seen. I've gone I've gone with my sisters or friends. I say sisters, my, my closest friends and gone with them to the procedures or, or to the consult with the doctors because they're nervous and they want a health advocate with them. And their before and afters were so beautiful, so beautiful. And they're happy. And it, it, it's whatever you do for your body that makes you happy. Um, it, it's what I also say with women who have a lot of fat with implants too, is that the reason why a lot of that fat is there because the body's funneling these toxins into your fat cells. So it's something to consider too, but yeah, it is, there's so many great options for women today from a much more natural perspective. And of course that procedure, having these procedures is a lot of trauma to the body. It's trauma to the spirit body. It's trauma to the physical body. So again, before you do any kind of procedure there, I urge you to to get really centered with yourself and have conversations with yourself about how much you love your body, even before you do it, because your body will start to possibly feel some betrayal that you think it's not enough. So I, I I just can't emphasize enough having the emotional centering around all of this instead of suppressing shame inside of you, because that could kill you more than the implants would. So yeah, there's just more and more and more options are coming out. The the, the studies are, are getting better on, um, we don't have a lot of long-term studies on fat grafting. That's the one thing is that it's a newer procedure. So it, it's not something that people can look for and see a lot of long-term scientific research. So that that's something to consider. I, I have some pain right now in mine. I think this is the most painful part of the procedure is for me having the, the liposuction. So just know that you might need to be well cared for and taking a break for a little bit longer than just a regular breast implant procedure would be. Got it. And I'd love to shift gears now and talk about the recovery and detox side, because I know this is something else that you actually help women through and also have programs around. Uh, And I've also seen from being in Facebook groups and from researching for this, um, some of the pictures of women, just their faces, honestly, or just their bodies in general before and after and how much of a difference they notice. And I have a friend who a week ago, as like you, um, had explant surgery and said she feels like an entirely new person. Um, And so I'm guessing getting the toxins out, that's a big part of this equation. But like you talked about, there's still trauma and there's still damage that was done to the body. So what do women need to know about recovering and detoxing and helping to get back into balance? Mm. Yeah, this is a big one. 
This is a big one because, because this is such a new illness um, that doesn't have a lot of long-term structure around it. There's a lot of myths circulating around what you should or should not do. And I don't even like that word should it carries shame. It's your body, but, but we we didn't come with a manual. So there's a couple of myths I want to bust on this first. And the first is that our belief that blood tests will reveal my health issues and my primary, my primary care doctor should know what to look for. And then if not, maybe I work with a naturopathic doctor who will know everything I need to heal with supplements, but there's a lot to this. It's not just detox. It's, it's a lot of the emotional side. I, and that's why we call our, we call our approach the tits method. And it stands for removing the obstacles in your body that are causing problems. And that would be toxicity, infections, trauma, and shame. So half of it is what's going on in the psyche. And the other half of it's what's going on physically. Um, blood tests are just this, this freeway that moves things from one place to the other, but lymph carries so much more information than that. So uh, just, just doing blood testing is not looking deeply enough as to what's really going on with your body. And also that women think that, you know, okay, I'm just going to get these breast implants removed and everything's going to miraculously get better. Um, there's a lot of myths circulating that that's all you need to do, but we've got 10, 25, some women have had these things for 35 years of toxic residue that has been um, shunted into lymph tissue and into the brain. And the brain's like 20, like 75% fat. So we got toxins up in the brain too. We have to go deep into the cell to pull these toxins out so that good things can get into the cell. So I myself had Hashimoto's hypothyroid uh, that I self-diagnosed uh, after I got my breast implants and SIBO and all the other things I mentioned earlier. And these were things that no amount of detoxification work will help unless you have these things out. So going deep into the gut and looking to see what kind of infections reside there is really important. And again, this is not just like doing a scope and having a GI doctor look to see physically, structurally what's going on. This is deeper into the tissues and into the cells that we're talking about. Um, some people do like candida cleanses and parasite flushes, but we're still working on at that point um, upstream. We're not looking at the, the most downstream issues, which is that these bugs are here as a buffer typically for a reason. We also see that a lot of people go into the approach of, I'm going to do chlorella and cilantro and spirulina because these are, when we consider these, they're powerful detoxifiers, but they're not powerful chelators. And what chelating means is binding to something as dense as a heavy metal and having the strength of a bond to carry it all the way outside of the body. So while those three, chlorella, cilantro, and spirulina are great to bind, they're not really good at carrying it all the way out. So they could actually make these things even more toxic. So we have to go with deeper, deeper EDTA and uh, zeolites, things to go deeper in, into the body and, the, and having a whole system for it where we're pulling these things out and then adding the toxins back or adding nutrients back in at the same time where the toxins once were. So that's a big one. And then we also hear a lot of women saying that they heard this, you know, you've probably talked a lot about the MTHFR genetic mutation, which I'm double homozygous for. So my training years ago was that if we have this genetic variation and it's the most common one tested after the BRCA gene, is it we suck at detox. We, we, we just don't do good at detoxing is what the general term has been, but it's not a death sentence. It's just knowing that MTHFR is one of several over 10 different other kinds of um, detox pathways. So it's just one of many, 
but there are many to consider. It's not just the MTHFR. So looking at each person's genetics, looking at each person's gut terrain, looking at each person's hormones, looking at each person's beliefs and thoughts and habits and patterns. And uh, a lot of us feel like we, we need, we have this loyalty, you know, my so-and-so said that I didn't look good unless I had this. Who, who is our loyalty to? Is our loyalty to Barbie? Who, what are our beliefs about life? And then that is a big one we need to detox as well as reframe is what is the ego? Where does the ego play a part in this? So it's detoxifying the ego and looking deeper into sh- to shame and trauma, which we can't see on lab tests. But if those are not addressed and all you're doing is looking at the, the, the clinical lab testing, then we're still not addressing over half of the issue, which is now what? Now you have this new body. What's the next thing that you're going to pick on and think that you need to fix? And this is not enough too. So the approach that we do goes into a a very rapid way of looking into underneath all of the rocks that a woman doesn't know where to look for. You know, she thinks, go to the doctor, do some blood testing. And my doctor says, I'm normal. You know, here's some Synthroid, here's some birth control, here's some antidepressants, here's some prednisone and call it a day. But really that's just still not addressing the deeper rooted things. We still have a lot of residue of those medications. So it's a lot of cleansing these things. We call it Chi. Our program is called Chi. It's called Cleanse, Heal, Ignite. Cleanse your body, heal your hormones, ignite your life. And when we do all of these things together, this is where I'm finding that uh, 95% plus of the women that have come to us with this program, this approach, looking at the mental, emotional, spiritual, structural, all the things at once, they have a massive transformation because we've addressed all of the things at once. And instead of having to have a therapist and, and the, these three doctors and going to yoga and taking the essential oils, doing all of what feels like the things I'm, I'm eating healthy, I'm doing all the things, but I'm still not my best. It's because we have this underlying emotional, mental, spiritual component to it. So when we can address that at the same time, we're cleansing all the toxins and addressing the, the, leaky gut, which is common with women with breast implant or history of them, we address all those things at one time, then we are doing the the women justice because when we detox, there's something called retracing when the woman detoxes from years of this residue that could take one to two years to clear from the body with one that, that we work with, we release a lot of trauma with that too. And when women are releasing toxins, but not considering that, they're experiencing all these emotions that are coming up and then they're not sure why. So looking at the holistic approach of the whole thing, a woman's likelihood of success is far greater. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful metamorphosis to watch. It's it. We have women with breakdowns, but then thereafter the breakthroughs. It's, it's just, it's such an honor to serve these women. That's amazing. And I know you said that you have like that special focus just for those women who are working on recovery. So I will make sure that link is available in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. So if you're listening and this is part of your journey right now, um, definitely check out all the resources available there and see if they can be helpful to you in your own recovery and journey. And I can't believe our time has flown so quickly because I think this is, is such an important topic for women who are walking this road right now. And I love that you are educating and also being there and hearing those women and seeing those women. I think that's such important work. And a couple of questions I love to wrap up with. Um, The first just being if there's a book that has changed your life, a book or books, and if so, what it is and why. Mm, Gosh, (laughs) I bought five last week alone, Katie, (laughs) during this recovery. One book. Or it could be a few favorites if that's easier. A lot of the books that I love are, of course, Brene Brown. I mean, single-handedly she has taken this demon that lives inside of us 
and brought it to the surface and inspired us to have conversations with it instead of suppressing it. So I would absolutely say that hands down, Brene Brown. I love Pema Chodron. I love her work as well. Uh, A lot of spiritual work, spiritual journey. And I love Carl Jung. I love all things Carl Jung. I love researching a lot of Carl Jung and how people interpret. Uh, That's a lot of the ego work and the alter ego and going deep inside of the brain and understanding um, why we do what we do. And instead of shaming why we do what we do, we get compassionate with it and we can integrate the shadows of ourself into the light, realizing that they're both here for a reason. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. There's just shadows and light. And when we can make those friends yin and yang, we are a holistic human. And when thoughts come up, we no longer belittle them or put them in the corner or numb them. We, we bring them out and sit with them. And Brene is just, I also met Elizabeth Gilbert. This is really cool. I met her um, when I went to a workshop and I didn't realize I was doing it, but I traveled all around the world and, and did what she did. And people are like, you're doing the Elizabeth Gilbert thing. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they bought me the book. So I, I read it and I went, yeah, I did pretty much that same thing. That's pretty cool. So she's beautiful as well. Those two are just heart work for us. It's a compassionate journey through what a woman really is. So yeah, those two love them. I love that. And lastly, any parting advice? I know that you work with many women, not just those with breast implant illness, but any advice that you want to leave for all the listeners today? Oh, yeah. There's two pieces. The financial aspect of it that I I mentioned I would leave you with today is that breast implants are pretty expensive and the cost of not being enough in general or the belief, the artificial perception of not enough how much is that costing us time, money, and energy-wise, right? And when I looked at the numbers for breast implants, women who actually got them and had them and replaced them over the years, if if they did this the right way, it's $10,000 a year. MRI every three years, it costs like $3,000. And so that's about 20 grand a year or 20, 20 grand every 10 years. And if somebody instead invested that into a portfolio getting 8%, they would have $280,000 in 25 years instead of having an illness and perhaps dying and looking really great at their funeral, but maybe not having the life that they came here to live. So illness costs a lot of money. Not enough costs a lot of money. And so many of us are taught to live in a life of lack, Um, not enough time, not enough money, not enough energy. And the question I have for all of us and for you is to consider is where did that belief come from? And when we can really get compassionate with ourselves and think, and instead of overthinking things, overthinking things and living life through the lenses of gratitude, everything shifts for you, everything and every person, every circumstance, every opportunity, every job opportunity, whatever that might be, children coming into your life, friends, you attract from the perception point of who you believe that you are. And I can tell you right now, being on the other side of implants, that I'm attracting a completely different species of human (laughs) and energetics that I've been seeking my whole life and even before breast implants. So numbing is okay, but not long-term. 
So it's okay if we need to numb to get through and to get on the other side of the bridge, but asking for help to get to the other side of the bridge is not weak. It's very strong. So don't suffer in silence, please, sister, please. You don't need to do that to yourself. We want to help you. And remembering that the way that we also receive love is being able to gift the love to you that maybe you can't give to yourself in these vulnerable moments. So we're all here to rise each other up. It's just a matter of asking for the help. And when you do, people show up and we do the work together. And I think that's a perfect place to wrap up for today. But Diane, thank you so much for your time and your story and your wisdom today. And I hope that it reaches and helps the people who need to hear it. And hopefully um, we continue to raise awareness about this and help women find recovery. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for having me, Katie. And thanks as always to you for sharing your most valuable asset of your time with both of us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.